Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. You know, the, uh, uh, the mind and the heart, the Bible says that the peace of God shall keep your heart and your mind. Correlation between mind and heart is a powerful thing. That's why the power of positive thinking in itself is no good. It's only metaphysical and does not change people in the way they need to be changed. And the reason why, it doesn't bring peace that passes all understanding. Peace that passes all understanding has to take place in the heart before it goes to the mind. So everything that's in my mind, that's the biggest thing about reading the Bible. And some people don't understand because they say to me, well, the Bible's boring. I don't get anything out of it, so I don't ever often read the Bible. Do you know that's an incredible mistake because it's God's love letter to you? But what I want to encourage you to do today is please don't read the Bible. He's on his Irish again. (laughs) You read books, but the Bible is not a book you read. The Bible is a book that reads you. And I need to understand that when I'm reading the Bible, it must read me. And that means it has to go beyond my intellect. It has to go beyond my education. It has to go beyond my mindset. And it has to descend into my heart that my heart gets hold of what God's saying to me, what he's telling me. And people want God to speak to them, but they don't want to listen to what his word wants to tell them. And what we need to do is that even though when we turn to, sometimes I can read the Bible. I do every morning and I go through, I will go through the Bible and then I read it again and again and again. And I have read the Bible over and over again. But you know something? The the second thing that's incredible about the Bible is that you can read it 10 times and the 11th time it has something that will bring you alive that you read 10 times before. And you think, how did I not see that before? Because the Bible is the one book that brings new, fresh inspiration, revelation, insight that you don't get reading another book. You don't get intellectually stimulated. You get stimulated in your spirit. You get stimulated in your heart. Amen. And if we want to get the thing to reach our heart, we need to let the Bible read us. As you do, let it descend into your heart. It takes a little time to read the Bible. And even though you're reading the Logos Word and just reading it as a word, it is still feeding your faith. It is still feeding your soul. It is still feeding your life. Even though there may not be that much at that moment you're getting out of it. But as you're doing that, from the Logos, the Holy Spirit comes in the written Word of God and brings the living Word of God and inspires me. Amen. That's not my message, but anyhow, that, we, we, we're starting from there. Amen. Hey, there's, there's a prayer that I have just put together myself from uh, Ephesians 3 with some uh, of the Greek meanings to it and some of the different things to it. That's my normal, real prayer that I pray. And I would like you to do me a favor this morning. Would you do that? 
We're going to put it up on, on the screen. And uh, I want you to read, to do this prayer with me. We're going to do it together. Everybody in the church, if you want to adapt the prayer, well, then you can take a picture of it and get it. And you can pray yourself. But I like a prayer that has some meaning, not a lot of rhetoric, not just a lot of things that I'm saying over and over and over again, and, and just chanting something, but something that has depth and meaning and purpose and what I want happening in my prayer life. Amen. Not a lot of asking, asking, asking for things that God knows I need, but for something like this, would you pray it with me this morning? And, and, and we'll say, Heavenly Father, let's try and stay responsively according to the punctuation marks, which is always pretty hard with somebody doing this, but we'll have a go at it. Amen. And then you might like to adapt it, because I have taken little pieces out of Ephesians 3, put them together in the ways in which it has been suitable for me. Okay, I'm starting with you. We're doing it together. Amen. Heavenly Father, I desire to become more intimately acquainted with the love of Christ on the deepest possible level, far beyond the reach of a mere academic intellectual grasp. I want to find my ultimate expression in you, so that I may be awakened to the consciousness of your nearness. I know that separation is an illusion because oneness was your idea all along. You desire to express yourself through my touch, my voice, my presence, and you're so happy to dwell in me. I know that there is no place in the universe that you would rather be. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you like that prayer? Man, see, I just got maybe my own little words in there, but I have adapted a few different scriptures, and I really believe that's a very positive thing. Would that not be the desire in your heart this morning? Amen. That's, that's a prayer worth praying, not just talking about God bless me, ask for no more. What we want to do is really pray effectively. Amen. Now, we're going to run through, we're going to run through a number of things. We don't have another thing here, do we? This is it. This is the podium. This is the lectern. This is the thing. It's all right, brother. I can handle anything. <laughs> this is my fear. <laughs> I don't want baptism on my notes. <laughs> I am going to read a number of things, and I want you to hold them together, but you will listen to this again. There is no way that I am sure you're going to take this unless you're going to come with some incredible revelation from the Holy Spirit this morning that would not be something that you need to take on beyond this meeting because this is something of a lifestyle uh, application that I want you to be able to absorb and to take and to be able to uh, see something working out in your life because of it. Amen. So I'm going to make a number of statements as I start just to let you see. And along the way in the message, I will be doing uh, or, or saying some of these again and again into the appropriate spots in which I will be sharing. So we're going to, uh, we're going to put those up. If we could put that, here we go. Now, so this is what we are, we are doing, and I think I might have mentioned this before. I will preface a lot of things by this because I want to indoctrinate you. I want to brainwash you. And I want this to drop into your heart. Amen. So now, if our problem is greater than our belief system, we have a crisis. You know, some people just live from crisis to crisis. 
in the job that I do in psychology, I, I, I work with people and some real crisis. Uh, one lady writes to me, she's been coming to me in my local practice and she's been coming for a bit and she writes and she says, oh, you know, it's, it's hard when you're away. She said that I can't come to see you because this has happened to me. And she says, I, I, I would really like to make sure that you're going to be here for the next five years to walk me all out of this. No pressure, no pressure, no pressure. Because what happened? Boy, I'm dictatorial, isn't I? Brother, see, see, you want to see my note? No. <laughs> because we live from crisis to crisis. If your problem is equal to your belief system, you struggle. And a lot of times we struggle, do we not? But if my belief system is greater than my problem, I will enter into rest. And what is very, very important is Jesus said in Matthew 28, 11, Matthew 11, 28, he says, come unto me all ye that labor. Boy, we do a lot of laboring. You know, the very word makes you feel weary, does it not? Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And that's what Kath's saying today. Because of the time in which we are living in now, people are being weighed down. Yes, their hearts are being weighed down. We need to have light hearts this morning and not be weighed down. Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and you will find rest for your soul. It is vital to understand this morning that there is a rest that's given but there's a rest to be found. The children of Israel were promised a rest, but they never found it. And they struggled and struggled and were very heavy laden. There's a lot of people going to heaven, but it's a hell of a trip. And so we want to do something about lighting it up. Let me tell it, you won't lighten it up only by losing weight. And what we were saying about the message that you'd have had last week is absolutely vital because I absolutely believe in the profession that I do, never mind spiritually, I totally believe in holistic medicine. And I totally believe that we need to, but just doing that, and that's the problem in what we were looking at in New Age movement and so on, is they do a lot of things externally, but it never lightens the load. It may take off the weight, it may make you have a clearer head, it might make you look more positively at life, but it doesn't take the load that's born on the heart. We have to work from what's happening in the heart, taking the weight off the heart, because the only thing that can do that is the peace of God that passes all understanding. Amen. Isn't that true? We want to enter into rest. And, and then now we let the next one, thank you. For with the heart, man believes. Now, you're going to lock some of this in me because we're going to be addressing it, but, but you see what I'm saying about remembering it. Then godliness with contentment is great gain. One of the biggest things that wears down your heart is when it complains. The children of Israel registered their heart condition by the vocalization in their complaints. 
I know the state of my own heart when I'm complaining. And I also know the state of my own heart when I'm giving thanks. And you tell me this morning, which one of them makes you feel lighter? Amen. So they complained all the time they complained. And it's so easy to complain, complaining about this and complaining about that and complaining about something else, when in actual fact there is so much to be thankful for, is there not? Oh, that's gone. Yeah, yeah. Now, we have come to change our minds about what has already changed. One of the things that we make a mistake of is that I'm going to come and change you. We come to meetings sometimes and we want to be changed. One of the most important things is Jesus has done every possible thing that we need. Calvary has settled it. When Jesus died in the cross of Calvary, he did not say to be continued. He said it is, it's done. It's all paid for. We're not here to change and keep changing. What we are here to do is to change our minds to what has already changed. Amen. It's done, the great transaction's done. I am my Lord's and he is mine. Amen. And so this morning, we are actually changing our minds to what? Man comes in line with his believing on the basis of his choice. I want you to see this morning the connection of choice and believing. And we will see that. What God could prevent in his power, he permits in his wisdom. It's very, very easy to bow at the shrine of his power. But it is much more difficult to bow at the shrine of his wisdom. And there are sometimes God doesn't seem to answer the prayer or certainly not the way we do it. And why does he allow it to go through this? But let me tell you, we can go through the issues, the circumstances and the problems with a very heavy laden heart or we can go through the same problems, circumstances and situations with a light heart. It depends how you ride the storm. Amen. It's the same wind that blows the ship, the east and the west going the same way. It's the set of the sail that determines where it goes. And this morning, it's the set of our sail. It's where we determine in our heart. Amen. Let's go to the next one. Thank you. The promise of God is the fuel of faith. Now, these are little things to drop in for you, aren't they? So they're all messages on their own, are they not? We have come to... Well, we've done that already, so obviously I wanted you to know it. Believing, believing is the heart's response to faith. For the function of my heart is to bow. Let me say this to you now. Jesus is the amen of God. He never argued with his father. He never disputed his father. He never disagreed with his father. He always said amen. And he said, I never make a decision unless he tells me to make a decision. And amazingly, all that Jesus ever did, he never did. He said, it's the Father in me. He does the work. Christ living in me is the hope of glory. But Christ living in me is the only hope of God ever getting glory out of me. And so what's very, very important is bowing. Jesus is the amen of God. He bowed to the Father. And the part of my whole being 
that has to bow to God is not my mind and it's not my spirit and it's not my soul, it's my heart. It's the heart that has to bow. And the heart we're going to look at now in a moment and we go to the next thing. Okay, because I'll be here all day. Now, I've just done a diagram or at least I drew it up and got my wife to do it because I'm not an artist. But my wife did it. I just send it through to her and say, this is the revelation I have. Please put it on a, something that looks sensible for me. Now, here's what it is. I want to talk this morning about your trouble spot. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Our trouble spot is our heart. So what I want to look at, and this will be great before we move into the soul tonight, because the heart, where you will see here, I've got down the top, the heart is a central central unifying organ of our whole personal life. The heart is where the body, the soul, and the spirit all come together. That's why everything's got to go to the the heart. And out from the heart flows the expression, uh, the expression organ, which is my soul, the receiving organ, which is my spirit, and the functioning organ, which is my body. But my heart is the believing organ that chooses in life. I do not choose with my mind, I choose with my heart. That's a vital thing to understand. So I trust that we're going to get this this morning in the time you can do it. From the heart flows, which is the Bible says, from the heart flows all the issues of life. That's what Solomon said, yes? The heart will reason, doubt, fear, question, be troubled, despair, resent, become hard, unbelieving, and so much more, and at the seat of all decisions and moral energies. Do you see that? So that's what we're going to talk about now. So let's now go to the next little section. This is my house. Hebrews 3 verse 1 says this, Christ is master over his own house, whose house I am. Now, I have left out here, I have left out in in the house a little bit of uh, what we were talking about, the spirit, soul, and body, I've left out there. Now, I'm not talking about the geographical position of any of this. I'm talking about the function of it. So let's work with the function of it, amen. And let's not, some of the Bible scholars get caught up in some geographical journey and we want to find out where we can locate it. Well, you're going to be doing a lot of searching. The idea is, is let God search your heart because he's the only one that can do it. Amen. Because the heart can be deceitful and wicked above all things and only he knows it. Isn't that the truth? So, because I might know my mind, but I sure don't know my heart. And that's why God all, Jesus never, ever, ever appealed to somebody because of their behavior. He only ever appealed to people because of their motive, because of their desire. Jesus always went to the core of the person and not what the person presented. And people present all kinds of things, but Jesus goes beyond the external, goes beyond the outside, goes beyond the behavior, goes beyond my, my veneer, goes beyond what I will present in my personality, and Jesus goes beyond it, and he goes right into the inside and looks at my heart. God is more interested in what your heart looks like this morning than how well you did yourself up to come to church. <laughs> Amen. That's a blessing for some of us. <laughs> I won't name anybody. <laughs> Amen. Do you see how important that is? 
So now what I've done here is we could take a lot of time going into this, but I just want to see the functions of how things are delivered into that central organ and the way that we deal with it so that when we come to operating in the soul area and in the expression of the outside, because the body will then take care of itself and you have done that, is this to me is very important. And when I was uh, preparing for this service, I was so exercised in this that I think, can I actually fit this into the time frame that we have? Because there's lots of stuff that we can talk about. But Hebrews 3 verse 1 says, Christ is master of our own house, whose house I am. So I have just made it up as a house. And I have talked about this as the spirit, the heart, and the soul, and the process to which and how this works. Have you ever noticed this? And of course... I notice this a lot, and particularly with what I do. I can see people, and this is no uh, reflection whatsoever in anybody that was on the platform singing this morning because that worship was beautiful. Oh, yes. But you know what? I can see people on the platform, and you know them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, I could never doubt you. And right after the meeting, I just hate what that woman did to me. I can change so fast from the heavenlies to the earthlies. Why? Well, what people call them is hypocrites. But there is no New Testament pattern for hypocrites. It's about understanding what is actually going on. I want to help you to be able to transfer what happens on here to the worst moment in your life. Because here's the promise. Here's the problem. If what I have here doesn't work in my worst moment, then what I here have here may not be a revelation at all. And it may only be an exercise from the soul and it may only be an exercise from the spirit, but it really isn't part of me because it wasn't a revelation. It was only an imagination. I didn't get it. You can sit in this meeting and you can sense the presence of God and it's awesome to be together in the corporate body collectively worshipping. And the minute people get worshipping, God dwells in the praises and the worship of his people. And you really can't escape his presence. If you're sitting in a meeting and there's no move and you feel nothing and you're getting nothing, I'll tell you something, there's something wrong with your heart. It isn't your spirit. It's not your spirit. Because you know why? We are naturally worshippers. Everybody's worshipping. People that are in church today are worshipping. Every religion has somebody to worship. Every person has something to worship. We are naturally worshippers. There isn't a problem in the spirit coming to bring worship. And so my spirit is going on here. And that's why it's not hypocritical. Because the moment somebody steps on here, they step on here to sing praises, they move by faith, they jump in, the Holy Spirit comes, God dwells in the praises of his people, and they're not hypocrites. Do you see that? They're absolutely not. But for them, sometimes it's confusing because they themselves would like to transfer this same feeling, this same anointing, this same presence down into their daily lives. But where it goes is going to go down very, very quickly from here. But one of the things is I have got up in here, we have got the attic. My spirit is what touches God. God reaches me not through the understanding because my carnal mind is an enemy. It is my spirit that connects with God. It has a little, do you notice it's got a little skylight? 
It is the only thing that sees God and knows God and connects with God. God reaches me through the Spirit. He touches me through the Spirit. He ministers to me through the Spirit. Everything I get comes by the Spirit. Because before I was born again, before the Spirit of God came alive in me, before my human spirit was regenerated by the presence of God and by the life of Christ, God was not registering to me. But then God came to me and he regenerated my spirit because he needed to regenerate my spirit so that he could get to the rest of me. And he gets to the rest of me through the Spirit. And so God talks to me in the Spirit. He meets me in the Spirit. He gives me revelation in the Spirit. I receive everything in the Spirit. So the Spirit is the receiving organ. And what I have to understand is this. This is the confusion of faith and believing. Faith and believing are two very distinct different things. This may be an interesting contradictory statement, But you actually have to believe in faith. You need to believe in faith. Because you know why? This faith walk you're on, you didn't start it. You did not start it. I came out of an alcoholic abusive home on my way to a soccer match. The Holy Spirit meets me on the way to the soccer match. And right there, he sets his love on me and I was born again by the Spirit of God and he put faith in my heart to believe in what Christ would bring to me at that moment and that was the forgiveness of sins and the peace of God that would pass understanding. He started this thing. I wasn't looking for him and I didn't and he just came completely uninvited. (laughs) And if he started it, why am I struggling to make it keep happening? Why am I trying to get it happening? He's not only the author. He didn't just start the thing. He didn't just begin your faith. This morning, people struggle in faith. I wish I had faith like the preacher. I wish I had faith like everybody else. Let me tell you this morning, you're sitting in this building, and in this building, you are a person of faith. Don't sit and say, I wish I had more faith. If I could get more faith, I could believe like him. No, no, it hasn't anything to do with your faith because God has already dealt to every man the measure of faith. When I was in my legalistic days, faith was always something if you didn't do it or you didn't exercise it or something, you got rebuked for it. And they used Jesus and I could see Jesus just as a big rebuker. Where's your faith? Where is your faith? I have a lot of faith. Where's your faith? Do you know what Jesus is saying? He's not rebuking anybody at all. Not at all. See, I can say say I'm too far away, but we could do a demonstration here. I could give my uh, my pen to Kath, and I could say to her, yes. I could say to her, but you don't have a notebook, so yes, you only want them electronics, that'll do. Now, I could say to Kath, along the way I give the pen, but you're going to drop me pen. You're going to drop. And then, along the way, I say to her, oh, I want her to take a couple of notes. And I say, oh, Kath, could you please write that down? Please write that down. So you know what I say to her? But Kath, I gave you the pen. Now, what did you do with it? I'm not rebuking her. She's already got it. She's just mislaid it. Faith comes in the spirit, and you mislay your faith in your heart. This is a vital point. Please stay with me. We'll get it. Thank you, Kath. That's a, that's a very good demonstration. You're wonderful. 
So now, are you with me? Because this is absolutely liberating because we move from the crisis times, we move from the struggle time, and we move into rest. And if I don't get my heart in order, because my heart's out of order, my life's out of order. If your body's out of order, your, your life's out of order. That's why we are true in being to be one. Because the most important thing is we need to be one with our God and one with ourselves and one with our environment. God called us to be one. Amen. And he's given you faith this morning. So please, stop begging for more faith. The disciples tried to do that, didn't they? And Jesus went right down to a grain of mustard seed to show them just how stupid their question was. He couldn't have gone any farther down that if that's all I had given you, that's what you could have done with it. And so he just goes to the very last little thing. You can hardly even see the speck of it. He's showing them that even with the speck, if you got it right, this would happen. He didn't say, yes, well, I understand. Oh, in Jesus' name. Father, give them a little more faith. We need some more faith. Do you know, I was in a meeting, and this is not a condemnation. I'm not going to mention the person anyway. But I, had, I was in Auckland, New Zealand. And when I was there, I had a night off. And I went with some pastors to listen to an international speaker. And that's why I wouldn't want to mention the name. And it's only the principal and not the person I'm talking about. But it was like my past theology. And I was in the, we were in the balcony, and we're looking over the, the edge in the balcony, watching down onto the, the, the podium. And uh, there was a lot of stuff that was happening and, 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 and it was going on. And, and uh, I didn't know what, it, what was happening, but it was happening because I couldn't see it so obviously it was happening. And, and there's oh, hundreds and hundreds of people. And then this elderly gentleman, very refined man, comes up, stands at the front, hands, hands clasped, and uh, the evangelist says to him, what, what do you want? What are you here for? He says, well, I'm deaf in my left ear. So the evangelist says to him, will you go over there and stand over there and build up your faith? And when you build up your faith, come back in 15 minutes and I'll pray for you. Now, I did not want to be cynical in a Holy Ghost meeting. So I will eliminate the word. But you got the meaning. I looked at the pastor beside me and I said, if you were told to do that, what would you do? Just what would you do? Oh, I said, oh, and then I, I did get cynical. And then I got the, the Bible and I said, oh, I know, I know. I, I, I'll, I'll speed read the Bible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Speed reads by hearing, hearing the word of God. If I can speed read the Bible, I can get, I can get, oh, yeah, 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 Ma'am, I'm on, the, I'm on the pump. Maybe I can speak in a heavenly language and pump myself up. I had learned that way back years early in Pentecostal circles. I felt for the poor guy because my understanding was that guy walking from the back to the front was an indicator that this guy had faith. How could, you, how could you pump it up in 15 minutes at the front? Do you know, you don't pump up your faith. It isn't about pumping up your faith. And this morning, we're, I, I can't stay there, but I have to say this. Faith is an organ of my spirit. Not my soul, not my heart. Not my heart. Because Romans 10, 10, Romans 10 11 says this. For with the heart, man believes. 
Amen. For with the heart, man believes. Man doesn't have faith in the heart. He believes in the heart. It is in your spirit that you have faith, which is yours all the time. And faith is something God gives, and believing is something you choose to do. Very different. Very, very different. The guy had faith, and then he came and chose, and it had nothing to do with the poor guy to which I felt sorry for. But here's the point. My eye is an organ of my body. My eye does not generate light, it receives light. You imagine waking up in the night and your eye just went like a big torch. Mm. <laughs> now, you got to my age where you have to get up in the night to go to the toilet, it may be an advantage. <laughs> but you wouldn't want to be popping on all night. Could you imagine how it would drive you crazy? <laughs> Be ridiculous. I stayed in a, I stayed in a road, the pastor had a place and I couldn't believe it. And I, I went to his house and I said, okay, I was happy to stay there the night. And I said, that's fine. And I stayed there and he was showing me how I would get up. And if I got up in the night, here's where you go to the toilet. And he was showing me a bit of a run to the place. And I thought, oh, that's good. And so he had some little kids there. And I thought, I don't want to wake them up. So I got up in the night as would be the custom. And I, I, I get up in the night, and as I'm going there, I thought, I know where it is. I won't put any lights on. I won't disturb anybody because I'll be fine. And so I made my way, not being in the house ever before, and I make my way down there. The one thing that had slipped my observations and my tour to the toilet, there were steps down. Oh, yes. So by the time I'd reached the steps, fell over down every step, made all the noise, brought the whole place alive, I really could have used a torch. <laughs> Do you know, it would drive you crazy, would it not? My ear is an organ of my body. It does not generate noise, it receives noise. Anybody here in this meeting has ever had something like tinnitus and where that has affected them? It's a horrible, horrible condition and really drums and noises and irritates and will drive you crazy. If your eye was to generate light, if your ear was to generate noise, I can tell you something, it'll drive you crazy. Faith is an organ of my spirit. If you try to generate faith, it'll drive you crazy. You don't generate faith. There's where our problem is. God comes God gives revelation. We talk about reading the Bible. God brings revelation and God comes and God gives revelation. And when revelation comes, it inspires faith. You know what? There's a lot of stuff happening in Pentecostal churches particularly where it's more presumption than faith. And people just jump in. One lady says to me, she wanted to start a business and she says to me, I'd like some of your advice. I'd like some wisdom from you. She says, I am going to take a step of faith. I'm going to get out of the boat and I'm going to start a business. I have to put $70,000 in first and I need to start the business. Now you understand when I listened to that one bit of conversation what wisdom I was going to get, give. Because in that situation, that to me spelt one big word, stupidity. I said, lady, if you jump out of the boat on what you have told me, you will drown. 
I said, did you know very significantly that none of the other disciples got out of the boat? If they'd got out of the boat, they would have drowned. No, they did not get out of the boat. And Peter did. Oh, she you want to give me a lecture on Peter getting out of the boat. I said, Peter didn't get out of the boat. She said, he did. I said, he didn't. And then we weren't doing too good at that. <laughs> I said to a lady, Peter would never have walked on water unless he first got the word come. Unless he first heard from God. And you've not heard from God. You're taking a big leap of faith, you call it. Faith is not a big leap. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and it's the evidence of things not seen. It is not some big leap into the dark. That's a ridiculous statement. And jumping out of the boat, well, don't do it. I said, because lady, my witness to your project from what you're telling me and your confession, you're going to sink. Well, suddenly, I was a terrible man of God. I had no faith. I was not doing any good. She should never have come to me. Why would I be like that? I got no faith. I should never have asked you. And so on. So I said, lady, lady, <laughs> lady. It's your $70,000. <laughs> if you're taking mine, I'd break both your legs and you wouldn't be doing it. It's your $70,000, so do whatever you want with it. But I can guarantee you this. If this is just a presumptuous step of you call faith, I said, you'll sink. And in seven months' time, I met up with her, and she had lost the entire 70000 in seven months. Because you know what? Jumping out of the boat. You don't jump out of the boat. You don't take leaps. The only time I'll ever move, people want to give me prophetic words, all sorts of things. And you know what? I'm really into prophetic words. I've had some great ones. But you know what? I will not do anything. I will not go anywhere. I don't listen to any voice. I take no notice of nobody. I don't care if they're the top person in the world in the ministry. I don't care who they are. And I don't care if it's a little child that comes to give it to me because they all can be as powerful in Jesus. And I'll tell you something. I don't care who it is. If I don't have that inner witness, if I don't have that faith action, if I don't have that alive word, if I don't have God witnessing it to me, because you know what? My protection is the witness of the Holy Spirit within me. Amen. That's what keeps me because there's a lot of cowboys around that like to give you a word. Well, I got a word for you. Well, listen, I got a better word for you. Shut up. So now, so now, the revelation that I got in the Spirit, and here's the biggest thing, revelation that God brings you, revelation is always married to situation. Revelation didn't come to bring you revelation. Revelation came to you, revelation came to me, not to make me feel wonderful, not to make me jump up and down, not to get me all excited, not to be so happy with it. That will all happen automatically. But what it comes for is that the same revelation is going to take me out into my community to live for Jesus and meet the needs in Jesus' name. Do you see that? Revelation is married to situation. And that's why if your revelation doesn't work in your situation, it was an imagination. Because you did. And so the important thing to see is it's got to be a process. God takes you in a process. Let me tell you something. Grace is free, but you buy the truth. When people go off and they say, oh, you're an extreme grace 
preacher. I said, of course I preach Christ. I said, but you know what I found out? I found out as soon as I wanted to get involved and indulge in too much grace, as soon as I wanted to push in, pull in too much grace, grace comes along and Mrs. Grace says to me, oh, I think you need to meet my husband. I said, oh, no, no, don't tell me you're married. Oh, yeah, yes, I'm married. Well, who's your husband? Mr. Truth. Because you don't have grace without truth. Jesus didn't just bring a wonderful grace message because it's not grace that makes you free. It's the truth that makes you free. Grace brings healing. Grace brings ability for me to live for Jesus. Grace brings so much wonderful goodies spiritually and every other way into my life. But it is truth that helps me to walk in the light and the liberty and the freedom of Jesus Christ. Amen. Some people say, boy, I just wish I had more grace. I wish I had the grace of God. I wish the grace of God would meet me in this. You know what I say sometimes? You know what you need to do? You need to run into truth. If you're lacking grace, run into truth. And you, and you know what Proverbs 29, 29 says this? Buy the truth and sell it not. Grace is free, but you buy the truth. And where do you buy the truth? You buy the truth in your flesh. You buy the truth in your self-interest. You buy the truth in your self, uh, your, your self-life that wants to do this and this and this and this when your heart now has to bow. I do not like bowing. I don't like bowing to the circumstances of life. I don't like bowing to the situations of life. I don't like bowing to what happens in a lot of things that goes on in my life unless do I like to bow to my wife. It's not good. I ha you have to bow. Your heart needs to bow. We need to be able to bow. Because let me tell you, our greatest problem is a talking heart. I've had to look at my heart and I've had to say to it, shut up. Stop talking. Because Jesus said, why do you question? Why do you reason? Why do you fear? Why are you troubled? Why do you doubt? Where? In your heart. In your heart. It's the heart's the trouble spot. And when you have those things going on, you're going to be weighed down. You're going to be laden down. There'll be no peace. Do you know something? The price of peace, the price of walking lightly, is to take what he's given me in the spirit, believe it in my heart, and say amen. Because it's the lightest word that you can say, Father, I bow to you. I don't understand it. I can't see it. I don't know how you work like that. I don't know why you let this happen. I don't know why you let this happen to my family. You know, we heard a testimony of healing today. So good, isn't it? And so wonderful. And we rejoice so much. But you know what? There may be somebody in this meeting. You're seeking healing and you haven't got it yet. But let me tell you, you and I believe totally, and I'm sure that you do, in the healing power of Jesus. But I believe God for every provision. But you know something? I've gone through some, and, and, and you know that I'm amongst some of the oldest in this place. So I have done a little bit of a journey. And I have found a lot of situations. And a lot of what you hear me talking about is forged in the anvil of my own life. Because I'll tell you something, I have prayed and looked and sought God for different things and I have never seen an answer. But you know what? I have to be able to say amen when there's no answer, the same as amen when there is an answer. Amen. 
when I... If, I can imagine, yes. If he didn't wake me up, I'd be here all day. <laughs> I'll, I'll cut out in a minute. Oh, okay. <laughs> Me, I'm not, I get that excited with this. Are you, are you, are you enjoying this? Do you see? Do you see? There, there's, so, there's so much that you, and I knew when we started they were going to be struggling and, and I have to find some sort of rest and that'd probably be by shutting up. But the thing is, what, what's, what's really important this morning for us is that in the circumstances of life is that we are going to need to bow and say amen to Jesus. Let's train our hearts to surrender to our partner to our superiors, to our bosses, to our pastor, to the worldly events, to the circumstances, and surrender them because we started off in the very beginning and it said this, what God could prevent in his power, he permits in his wisdom. It's so easy for us to bow at the shrine of his power. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Do you know what? It's not so easy when everything's not working. It's not so easy and everything's not going on. But you know what? My heart has to choose. I need to choose. I must choose. My heart has to choose. And I can tell you stories where out of time, I'm not able to do that to show you where I've had in the grind of life to bow when I didn't want to my self-interest, to bow to my own ambition, to bow what I would like, to bow to circumstances, to bow when I didn't get an answer that I wanted. And I have to bow because I know that he's God and not me. And I know that he knows better than me. So you hear a testimony like this morning, we want to rejoice and praise God because God's a healing God. But you may be sitting in the meeting and it may not have happened to you. Let me tell you this this morning. That makes you no less faith person. It doesn't make you lesser a person. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you anymore. It means that God knows what he's doing. And I need to say amen to God. Amen. Because, because tomorrow morning... Tomorrow morning, you can wake up after a great service on Sunday and everything is the reversal of what you had in the meeting this morning. But tomorrow morning, your heart must choose. Your heart must choose and say amen to God because with the heart, man believes. I must choose to believe what God says and it's a choice. When you have faith, it's so easy to believe. But when everything's against you, we make the same choice. Because the choice is in the heart. It's not in a wonderful feeling. It's not when my emotions are wonderfully triggered. It's in the darkest part because it's the basement. It's so easy to be the fanatic in the attic. But it's not so easy to be the feller in the cellar. Do you see? You see what I'm saying? And then, this is the, this, this is the last little thought. You're right. And just one thought, one moment, one scripture. When that happens, and we're going to move into this tonight, so it's really ideal. When that happens, because the children of Israel, the Bible says they got what they wanted. Get this? They got what they wanted, but they finished up with leanness in their soul. You could actually get what you want on this planet and live with a very lean soul, and a very lean soul always murmurs and complains and whinges and blames God or the pastor or somebody else. It's a sign of a lean soul. But let me tell you something. When you buy the truth, when you buy the situation, because you go to God's counter 
and you go to God's country to buy the truth, when you go there, here's what happens. You buy it, and the moment you buy it, it's yours. It's always going to be yours the moment you buy it in truth. Because the currency, oh, oh, can I say this? Let me tell you something. If God asks you to do something and the price is high, maybe I'm taking it for granted that you're like me, but me thinks not. We're all the same. I don't want to. I don't like to. And why should I? Have you ever thought them? No, you haven't thought. And then you know what? Here's something. I'm going to pass you a word of advice from a gray-haired man. Oh, no, it's white now. <laughs> I'm going to give you some advice. Please, when you come to God's counter in that situation to buy the truth, buy it the first time. Because let me tell you, you'll go away, and when you don't buy it, you'll have lean soul, you'll be miserable, complaining, life will be hard, life will be horrible, you'll be heavy laden, and you'll be down. And then... And then you come back repentant. Oh God. Oh God, I'm willing to lay it down. I'm willing to give it up. I'm willing to. And then God says, hold on. Since you were here before, inflation's taken place. <laughs> Listen, every subsequent time that you refuse to bow, it becomes harder. It becomes more difficult. It pays a bigger price. Buy it the first time. And when you do, and this is it, when you do, then you go into the thing like Psalm, like the Psalms 103, bless the Lord, because now everything that comes from the heart that you bought, that was delivered in the Spirit, now is deposited into your soul, into the storehouse, and you get a big fat soul, and then all you hear from you is say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, who forgiveth all my iniquities, who healeth all my diseases, who Crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. Bless the Lord, not my spirit. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. My soul is then the expression of everything that I bought that was delivered from heaven. I'm through. Well, I'm not, but I am. Because if I don't get out of here, the music will get louder. God bless you. Thank you, brother. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 